Hello there, and welcome to the third episode of Blue Jays World Update. I'm your host, Thomas Hall, and let's get you up to date. So in today's episode, I'm going to be breaking down the Blue Jays' current starting pitching situation, starting with the news of Kyle Gibson signing with the Texas Rangers earlier this week. So let's dive into this. Gibson is going to be entering his age 32 season with the Texas Rangers next year. Signed a three-year, $30 million deal, paying him $10 million per season. Yeah, that's right. You didn't hear me wrong. $10 million for a veteran pitcher who's really at best, at best, a number three pitcher on that team. On a good team, say the Houston Astros, who are not far away, at best, if Aaron Sanchez is healthy, at best, Kyle Gibson is their fourth best pitcher. And that's if they don't bring anybody else in. So, why is this relevant to the Blue Jays? Well, earlier this week, after Gibson signed with the Rangers, Shai Davidi of Sportsnet put out this article depicting that the Blue Jays offered Gibson a contract offer before he signed with the Rangers. Now, we don't know how much that was for, but obviously it probably wasn't as much as three years, $30 million, because that's astronomical. That's crazy. Why would they do that? My thinking is that the Blue Jays probably offered him a two-year deal with potentially a third-year option and paying him probably $7 million per year. So obviously he took more money with the Rangers and why would you want to come to Toronto when our dollar is garbage too? So anyways, don't want to get into that. But basically the Blue Jays were really interested in Kyle Gibson until he brought up $30 million from the Rangers. So as well as Kyle Gibson, the Blue Jays have also been interested in a lot of the third tier, but also the second tier pitchers out on the open market, including guys like Zach Wheeler, Dallas Keuchel, Cole Hamels, even Hinjun Ryu from the Dodgers. All those guys, they've been poking around, asking, trying to figure out how much they're going to want to sign for this offseason. Now, here's the important thing. Guys like Cole Hamels, Dallas Keuchel, Ryu, they're not going to want to come to Toronto. They're... All of them are in their mid-30s, except for Keiko, who's entering his age 32 season. But all three of those guys are coming off contending teams, Cubs, Braves, and Dodgers. They're not going to want to come to a team like Toronto, who, if they make the right right moves this offseason, are going to be buying for that second wildcard spot next season. Also, Dallas Keiko, Ryu, Cole Hamels, they're not going to take under $10 million per season either. So for the Blue Jays, that's why they probably are going to avoid signing those types of guys. Now, Zach Wheeler, on the other hand, he's an interesting candidate for the Blue Jays. Earlier this week, it was rumored that Zach Wheeler was looking for a five-year deal worth $100 million dollars. Looking at that firsthand, that's a big red flag. That That's going to take a lot of risk for any team, not just the Blue Jays, for, but for any team who would sign him to that type of deal are taking a fairly big risk. Zach Wheeler is going to be entering his age 30 season next year. 
so paying a guy five paying a guy five years hundred million dollars entering his age 30 season that's really risky especially after you hear the type of season he had last year with the New York Mets which, who is also one of the teams I cover so I saw firsthand exactly what type of pitcher Zach Wheeler is and can be so with the Mets last year Wheeler threw 195 and one-third innings recorded a 11 and 8 record a 396 ERA a 340 348 FIP a opponent's BAP of 311 so it's respectable a expected FIP now here's the problem his expected FIP was 406 which is a point 20 point increase from 2018 also and here's a really big red flag his hard hit rate increased from 24.8% in 2018 to 31.4% last year, which is not an encouraging sign for a guy who could come over to the AL East, which we all know is a bandbox every, for every single team, especially Roger Center. I, I personally think he would get knocked around a lot in the Roger Center if he were to come to the Blue Jays. His home run to fly ball rate last season also increased over 2% last year, from last year. In 2018, it was 8.1%. In 2019, this past season, it was 10.9%. And that's playing in the NL East mainly, which really, you don't have a lot of band boxes in that division. Definitely nowhere near as many as the AL, especially the AL East. <clears throat> Also, Zach Wheeler doesn't have, he doesn't have that moxie of a guy who deserves a five-year deal. Now, let me explain on that, what I mean by that. Zach Wheeler really has had two good seasons this past year and half of 2018, because in the first half of that 2018 season, he recorded a plus four ERA. It wasn't until after the All-Star break where, where he really turned it on and earned that 4.2 war and a 4.7 war this past season. Prior to these two seasons, Wheeler didn't emerge himself as the starting pitcher who would be demanding a five-year deal for $100 million this offseason. Now, given he does throw 97-plus, with this four-seam fastball, which will play a lot um, in the American League. But also, he doesn't really get a lot of strikeouts. His strikeout rate last season was 23.6%. It actually decreased from 2018 from his 24.1% strikeout rate. Now, his walk rate also de decreased, which is encouraging. It was 7.4%. In 2018 and 2019 it was just 6% so it decreased a little bit but his opponent's average also increased as well it was 221 in 2018 and it went all the way up to 253 in this season it's just Zach Wheeler comes with a lot of risk and it also doesn't help that he's gonna be turning 30 years old next May so even if a team like the Yankees or 
the Dodgers or the Braves, even if they were to sign him to a five-year, $100 million deal, they're taking a lot of risk. And that's why the Blue Jays should probably avoid signing a guy like Zach Wheeler. Because even if these numbers don't concern the Blue Jays, for Zach Wheeler to, to come to a non-World Series contending team like the Blue Jays, we're going to have to overpay him to come. So really, instead of a five-year deal, we may have to offer him a six-year deal, which looks even worse. There's no way the Blue Jays would want to give him a six-year deal at 20 plus million per year. That's crazy talk. So Zach Wheeler to me is a guy that the Blue Jays will probably have to avoid and that's okay. I know Blue Jays fans are screaming for Mark Shapiro, Ross Atkins and Rogers to spend money this offseason. But unless they're going to spend it in the right way, and I mean by that as spending it on Garrett Cole or Steven Strasburg, we know that's not going to happen. But hypothetically, if it were, that's the type of move that you would be willing to overpay for. Zach Wheeler, Zach Wheeler is not a guy the Blue Jays want to overpay for that will bite them in the butt in year three, four, five, and six. It will not work for them, so they need to avoid him. Now, with that being said, the third tier guys are some of the pitchers the Blue Jays should seriously consider signing. Guys like Wade Miley, Tanner Roark, even Michael Pintar Pineda, sure, bring him back to the AL East, or even a guy like Julio Tehran. I will get to him in a second, but let me start with Wade Miley. Coming off a very good year, one of his best of his entire career with the Houston Astros. He pitched 167 innings and one-third, recorded a 14-6 record, 3.98 ERA, 4.51 FIP, a strikeout rate of 19.4, walk rate of 8.5, an opponent's batting average of 251, a whip of 1.34, an opponent's BAP of 287, and to top things off, he had a expected FIP of 4.52, which is not an increase of his actual FIP. So that's encouraging. Now, given that he's going to be entering his age 33 season, the Blue Jays aren't going to get a whole lot out of him. He's at best probably going to be a middle the, middle of the rotation guy for them, which is okay because the Blue Jays need a guy like Wade Miley to lean on next year to just eat innings for them and actually produce as well. If, that, if, if Wade Miley could provide the Blue Jays with a sub-4 ERA pitcher and a similar war as he produced last year with the Astros, two or even higher, that would be great as well. The Blue Jays would love that. The only problem with Wade Miley, I will say that the dude gives up home runs. Last season with the Astros, he recorded a home run to fly ball rate of 15.2%, which was a 10% increase from his 2018 season with the Milwaukee Brewers. He also gives up fairly hard hit balls as well. Throughout his career over the last two seasons, he's given up a 37.1% hard hit rate in 2018 
and a 36.1% hard hit rate last season with the Astros. So he does give up a lot of hard hit balls, which is not ideal for a team who plays in a division where balls love to leave the yard like crazy. But Wade Miley also induces a lot of ground balls. This past season with the Astros, he recorded a 49.7% ground ball rate compared to his 29.8% fly ball rate. So that's ideal for the Blue Jays because the Blue Jays love ground ball pitchers. And Wade Miley as well probably would take a three-year deal. The Blue Jays probably wouldn't have to go any higher than three years for eight, nine, maybe ten million for him. Which would also provide a Blue Jays with a left-handed pitcher in their starting rotation as well, which they don't have a lot of. They have Anthony Kay, but... Anthony Kay may not be in the starting rotation next year. We don't know yet. It totally depends on what the Blue Jays do to address their needs in the rotation, but we'll see. So that's Wade Miley. Let's move on to Tanner Roark. Tanner Roark had a really interesting season with the Cincinnati Reds last year and the Oakland A's. So with the uh, the Reds and the and excuse me, not the Nationals. Nationals are a team he spent a lot of years with. The Reds and the Athletics, Roark pitched 165 in one-third innings, recorded a 4.35 ERA, a 4.67 FIP, a 2.74 opponent's average, a strikeout rate of 21.9%, a 7.1% walk rate, a expected FIP of 4.64, which is not not bad at all it's a little bit lower than his actual FIP he had a whip of 1.40 and to top things off his home run to fly ball rate was 15.5 percent which that's that's not a type that's not the type of number we want to have for a guy who who's coming over to the AL East but Tanner Roark is an option similar to Wade Miley he's going to be entering his age 33 season next year He's also, at best, probably going to be a middle-of-the-rotation guy for the Blue Jays. They could probably sign him to a similar deal that they would offer to Wade Miley. Um, the only thing with, with Roark is that he really does not... Um, he doesn't give the Blue Jays a whole lot of uh, confidence regarding the amount of hits he gives up. Because last season with the Reds and the, the Athletics, he surrendered a 274 opponents average, also a 322 bat. That's a concerning sign too, especially because the previous season with the Nationals, he recorded a 296 bat. So that increased a lot, which is not going to play well in the American League. And to top things off, his home run to fly ball rate that I mentioned a couple seconds ago was 15.5%. That jumped a lot from his 2018 season. With the Nationals, he recorded an 11.7 home run to fly ball rate. He also doesn't induce as many ground balls as, say, Wade Miley would. Last season with the Reds and A's, uh, Roark recorded a 36.2% ground ball rate. And his line drive rate jumped from 21.7% 20, in 2018 to 27.1% this past season and his hard hit rate which again also a con concerning sign 
jumped from 28.7% last year with the Nationals all the way up to 37.1% with the Rays and A's this past season. So there's a lot of concerning signs regarding the amount of hits Roar gave up this past season and the amount of hard hit balls all those hits were as well. So if I were to choose between Roark and Miley, obviously Wade Miley would be the guy I, the Blue Jays should choose. But Roark, given the, the numbers he put up last season, may cost the Blue Jays a little bit less money per year. Maybe they could cheap out on him and sign him just to a two-year deal with a option for a third where Wade Miley would definitely want those three years guaranteed. Um, so there's Roark and Miley. Let's move on to a guy Blue Jays fans are very familiar with, Michael Pintar Pineda. We all know he got suspended for PEDs and he had the old whole issue with Pintar in his neck. And once he got caught, he did not look like the same pitcher. Anyways, last year with the, the Twins, Pine Tar, I'm gonna I'm gonna refer to him as Pine Tar in this episode, just because personally, I'm not a big fan of Pine Tar, Michael Pine, Paleta, Michael Pineda, got Pine Tar in my mind now, and I don't trust him, but I will show him to all of you as an option, as a third tier pitcher the Blue Jays could choose from. So Michael Pineda is going to be entering his age 31 season next year. And with the Twins this past season, Pineda recorded a 11-5 record over 146 innings. Pintar recorded a 4.01 ERA, a 4.02 FIP. Pineda also recorded a 23.3% strikeout rate, a very encouraging 4.7 walk rate, an opponent's average of 249 a whip of 1.16 and a war of 2.7 and just because I forgot it an expected FIP of 4.30 so Pintar definitely somebody the Blue Jays should consider but at the same time he's risky just like Miley is a little bit just like Roark just like Wheeler they all come with their risks the risks with Pineda, aka Pintar, is that he gives up a lot of fly balls. This past season with the Twins, he surrendered a 40.6% fly ball rate. Accordingly, he also gave up a 13.5% home run to fly ball rate, which definitely will increase if he comes back to the AL East. It will probably be similar to the 22.5% home run to fly ball rate that he recorded with the Yankees in 2017. Pintar also induced a lot fewer ground balls than he did, say, with the Yankees. With the Yankees in 2017, he recorded a 50.9% ground ball rate. With the Twins, this past season, he recorded just a 36.1% ground ball rate. His hard hit rate also went up from his 2017 season, which is not encouraging because we all know Pineda gave up a ton of home runs with the Yankees, but only recorded a 30.2% hard hit rate. This past season with the Twins, that went up all the way to 
3%. So if he comes back to the AL East, I guarantee he will be plagued with home runs throughout the entire season, which is definitely not something the Blue Jays would be happy about. I can tell you that much. But at the same time, Pintar has really improved his ability of keeping runners off base, especially preventing walks. Throughout his career, even with the Yankees, in 2017 recorded a 5.1 walk rate, 7.0% walk rate. This past season that continued, he recorded a 4.7% walk rate. So if the Blue Jays have concerns about runners getting on base, and they should, especially with their pitchers last season, walking guys around the bases like they did. So for that lone aspect, Pintar would definitely be an intriguing option for the Blue Jays. Now contract wise, it's iffy. It's iffy because he's coming off a year where he produced decent numbers, but he's also entering his age 31 season and he has a history of using PEDs as well, not to mention his whole pine tar fascination as well. This past season with the Twins, he's coming off a, his two-year deal that paid him $5 million per season. I could see the Blue Jays handing him, or at least offering him a similar type of deal. Maybe not for two years, probably three, but I definitely wouldn't pay him any more than $5 million just because of his PD concerns, pine tar fascination, and the fact that he gives up a ton of fly balls, which will result in a lot of home runs next season if he's with the Blue Jays. Now let's move on to Julio Tehran, who, to be honest, is the most intriguing guy I've mentioned so far, at least personally to me. And let me tell you why. Julio Tehran, when he was drafted, or not drafted, when he was signed with the Braves, he was expected to be a front-of-the-rotation guy. Now, that obviously hasn't panned out, but he's become this solid number three option in the rotation. This past season with the Braves, he threw 174 and two-thirds innings, recorded a 381 ERA, and a, a concerning 466 FIP, a even more concerning 5.26 expected FIP. Um, but Tyron also recorded a 21.5% strikeout rate, 11.0 walk rate, a 225 opponent's average, a 1.32 FIP, and a home run to fly ball rate of 11.2%. Now, I'll admit, his FIP worries me. The expected FIP, that, that's not something the Blue Jays should take lightly. His ERA could drastically jump from this season to next season. I would not be surprised to see Julio Tehran produce a 450 ERA with any team that signs him next year. Mainly because... He surrenders a ton of hard hit rate balls. This past season with the Braves, he recorded a 39.1% hard hit rate. Tehran also gave up a 40.4% fly ball rate. So 
he got a little lucky actually a little is an understatement he got very lucky last year not to mention he had a very good infield behind him and while he gave up more fly balls than he did ground balls last season he got way more lucky with his ground balls than he did with his fly balls and that shows with his FIP. So if he were to come to the Blue Jays, he would get that similar type of defense behind him. Definitely not in the outfield because there's no Ronald Acuna Jr. in center field for the Blue Jays, unfortunately. I wish we had him, but we don't. Vladdy, we all know about his defensive problems. Bichette, I'm still not sold on him, but he's definitely a shortstop. He's not going anywhere. Cabin Biggio is definitely a decent outfielder or er, infielder at second base. And Rowdy Telez, I could see him winning a gold glove one day, so he's probably not a concern. But I would definitely think that his ERA will jump into the fours next season. And that's why there's a ton of red flags with Julio Tehran. I will say, though, he's still relatively young. He's only going to be entering his age 29 season next year. So, the Blue Jays could take a chance on him. Now, obviously, Julio Tehran can't be their only pitcher that they pick up in free agency this year. But if they were to sign him to, say, a two-year deal for $6 million per, who, like, I think that, that would be a good option for the Blue Jays. He's got a lot of upside still. He creates a decent amount of strikeouts. Like he recorded a 21.5 strikeout rate last year and a 8.35 Ks per nine last year. So like he can still get guys out. He also recorded just a 266 BAP last year. So he doesn't necessarily give up a lot of hits, but how much to say is his BAP, his low BAP influenced by the outstanding defense that the Braves had last year probably a lot right so definitely it's a risky option for the Blue Jays but I think it's a necessary one I think signing Julio Tehran to a two-year deal for six million per that's a solid option for the Blue Jays what do they have to lose if he doesn't pan out well then you only have him for one more year and it's just six million that's nothing so I think Julio Tehran would be a solid option for the Blue Jays um, if he were to pan out, he could be their number three option behind Nate Pearson and hopefully the guy that I'm about to mention, Jose Quintana from the Chicago Cubs. Now, he's not a free agent, so the Blue Jays would have to trade for him. But the Cubs could be willing to part with him. They're looking to shed payroll this offseason. They're also looking to get younger with their starting pitching as well, which the Blue Jays could offer them. Quintana is going to be entering his age 31 season next year. He's also expected to make $10.5 million next year, which is not astronomical. It's not a crazy amount. And the Blue Jays could get a lot of value out of him. This past season with the Cubs, he pitched in 171 innings, recorded a 13-9 record, a 4.68 ERA, an impressive 3.80 FIP, a expected FIP of 4.20, so that might fluctuate, but still 
a 20.4% strikeout rate, a 6.2 walk rate, and a home run to fly ball rate of 12.1%. And also, lastly, a 3.5 war. So definitely the Blue Jays could could utilize a pitcher like Jose Quintana. Um, the, the, the low FIP is intriguing to me. That, that catches my eye right away with Quintana. He did give up a decent amount of hits. He gave up an opponent's BAP of 326 and an opponent's average of 274 and a 1.39 FIP. But he has a low walk rate, doesn't give up many walks. The home runs, they may become an issue. Hard to say. Um, like the 12.1 home run to fly ball rate, that's not concerning. He induces a fair amount of ground balls, 44.5% ground ball rate this past season. His line drive rate did go up from 2018 from 22.4% to 24.6. His hard hit rate did jump from 33.1% in 18 to 38.1% this past season. So you could say his numbers won't exactly translate back over to the AL, but if they do, if Quintana can reinvent him, well, not reinvent himself, but just reemerge himself as a solid number two option in a starting rotation, this could be a steal. And if some of you are worrying about his free agent status, the, the Blue Jays can just buy their free agent. Instead of having to compete with 29 other teams for Quintana's services, they can get him for one year and convince him to stay. Similar to, I know it's not the same situation, but it's similar to Kawhi Leonard coming to Toronto. You get him for a year, then convince him to stay. Now, he didn't stay, but we got a chip out of it, so it was worth it. But still, <clears throat> Quintana, he could be someone very valuable to the Blue Jays going forward. He's just entering his 30s, so he can still pitch effectively. He's not going to fade a whole lot. I think personally his 468 ERA is going to get better if he were to come over to the Blue Jays. I don't think it would be sub 4. It may if he really gets hot, but I think it would hover around 4. And I, I truly do think he can produce a 4 war with the Blue Jays. Contract-wise, this is where it gets a little tricky. With him making $10.5 million this season, probably, probably going to be expecting a raise after this season. So the Blue Jays would probably have to offer, probably have to offer Quintana a five-year deal. Per season, probably, I would think $13 million which is not crazy over five years that may look a little poor as he enters his mid thirties. But I still think even at $13 million, that's not going to hurt the Blue Jays. And it, he, he could potentially become a bargain as well if he improves even further. Now what the Blue Jays would have to give up for him, probably going to involve Surrendering, surrendering TJ Zoik, who spent a little bit of time with the Blue Jays last year and pitched 22 and two-thirds innings with the Jays last year, quoted a 476 ERA, 405 FIP, 
a five yikes, a four five seven expected FIP. So he's not their best prospect, but the Blue Jays don't have to give up their best to get Quintana if they take on all 10.5 million of his deal for next season. So if the Blue Jays were to offer, say, TJ Zoic and Patrick Murphy, who could potentially make his MLB debut next year. He's got a really good fastball, touches in the upper 90s, a this a <laughs> a fading curveball that sits around mid 70s but it's got a high spin rate so it really dips down a decent changeup that's his third best pitch for sure but definitely not the blue jays top tier pitching prospects but like i said they don't have to surrender a guy like nate pearson or alec manoa or eric padino or simeon woods richardson or even adam Kloffenstein. If they had to, it would be the worst thing in the world for the Blue Jays to attach Kloffenstein with Zoic to get Quintana. But I would try my hardest to make them take Murphy and Zoic to save the Blue Jays Kloffenstein because he's going to be a very good pitcher in a couple of years. Probably like a number two in a starting rotation. So Quintana with the Blue Jays. For the entirety of next season I think they would be able to get him to an extension like I said five years probably 13 million per that would provide the Blue Jays with a projected starting rotation now I'm not even factoring in any veteran starters that they could also sign this offseason but for 2021 which is the expected year the Blue Jays want to try and contend for the division, it would be Nate Pearson, Jose Quintana, and uh, hopefully, hopefully, Trent Thornton, Ryan Barucki, and you could put in Jacob Waggispack, Anthony Kay, maybe one of our other prospects develop and are ready for the 2021 season. I would love for that to be Adam Kloffenstein if we don't end up giving him giving him up for Quintana, but we'll see. But that also could change too, because I'm sure the Blue Jays will sign a one or maybe two veteran starters this offseason as well so it could look a lot differently than just Quintana as well but I think personally the Blue Jays really need to approach the Cubs about acquiring Quintana and I think they would be really interested in it because they need to shed payroll and they also need to get younger and they would accomplish that by acquiring TJ Zoic and Patrick Murphy and potentially even Adam Kloffenstein as well. So that about does it for this week's episode. I hope you really enjoyed it. I know it went a little bit longer than the other two episodes I've recorded so far, but there was a lot to dive into today. So I, I felt that this episode needed to go a little bit longer than usual. So I promise next week, though, it'll be it, it'll be back to under a half hour. So until the next time, I'm Thomas Hall. And now you're up to date. Thanks for listening.